You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. Well, this is Sexy Marriage Radio. Thanks for taking some time out of your day, every time you do, to invite us into your world and let us know what's going on um, when you send us messages or you give us reviews or you give us comments. And the main way we Go hear... ahead and tell them where they send them I'm to. Heading, I'm heading there. This is called showmanship. This is I'm, I'm weaving it. You're, you're building up the anticipation. Yes, because nobody has ever heard this email address before. So I've got to you know, spring it on them. So now I'm totally lost. So feedback at sexymarriageradio.com is where we get most of the dialogue with our listeners. You're just so unpredictable, Corey That Allen. is what I try to do. <laughs> Keeps things, people on their toes. Uh, but that's where we have great dialogue, conversation, comments, thoughts, uh, questions, topics. Uh, and to that, to that end, actually, this show is a potpourri show, which we don't do these near enough. Uh, because we have so many things that come in that are like, oh, this would be really good to do, but that's not a full show. Or, exactly. So they, so they kind of get pushed to the side. And then now all of a sudden, here we go. We get a potpourri show. And, but this is, this is the, the way we get this information. Feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. And we answer or we read every single email. Some of them make it to the air. We and some of them get re- replied to. Uh, yeah, it's... forgive us that we can't possibly reply yeah. to every single one. We wish we had that kind of free time, but um, yeah, we we got to do lots of other things too. Um, but we do read them and we do take into consideration all the suggestions that you make, and we so appreciate the yeah. good, the bad, and the ugly comments and suggestions. We really, really do. Yep. It, it keeps us on track. Um, and hey, uh, speaking of uh, feedback and all of that jazz, um, I just want to tell you, Corey Allen, how proud I am of you that as this show is airing on September 27th, you and I are going to be at the American Association of Christian Counselors mm-hmm. World Conference with 8,000 counselors, coaches, pastors, leaders from all over the world. And in the booth where we promote Sexy right. Marriage in the Radio, hall. Yep. in the exhibit hall, and uh, Corey actually has a published book available for sale now and naked I'm just marriage for you yeah naked marriage i actually just heard of a of a life group that's going through it as a study Sweet. so they're doing a chapter at a time um i've Sweet. had a couple different people email about we want to, we're doing a book club on it so it's awesome uh-huh. well and the thing is is this is uh, what i talk about in my blast mentorship group that 86 percent of people on the planet believe that they have a book in them somewhere mm-hmm. But less than 1% ever sit down to do anything about getting it out there. Mm-hmm. And so welcome to the 1% Hey, club. hey. Yeah, I, I know made it was it a to lot the 1%. of hard work. And the feedback that you have gotten from readers has been phenomenal. Yes, it has. And if you've actually read the book uh, and love it, or even if you didn't, go, jump on Amazon and leave a review because we're in a review-driven world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that helps helps to spread the word in the sense of give people informed decisions. And do the mm-hmm. same for the show on on iTunes. Uh, yep. that's what that's what helps us. So we want to ask everyone's prayers for this week. We we pay a lot of money and we carve out a lot of time, and it takes a lot of energy to do these booths. And Corey and I are both doing workshops in the um, coaching track. So Corey's going to be talking about 
using blogging and podcasting to really launch your ministry even larger than it already is. And I'm going to be talking about being a diversified coach and creating other revenue streams and ways to get yourself out there. But more, most importantly, we're going to be shaking hands and talking to a lot of pastors and counselors who are people helpers. And for them to walk away with a stack of Sexy Marriage Radio postcards to pass out to their congregation or their clientele is huge for us to keep spreading the word. This is what we've been intentional mm -hmm. about doing for the past like three years or so, three or four years. So just pray for some divine connections and yep. that the word continues to spread and that lots and lots of marriages are positively impacted in the months and years to come as a result of these four days that we will spend together in Nashville. Yep. All right, so Thanks. we've got to switch gears to some of the potpourri things that have come in. We've got three different topics we're going to try to get through um, okay. that are all worth exploring. Um, so one of them, let's just start with this, is this, this comes from an email that they've been married almost eight years, uh, and then a year and a half to the job, he had a, or he, a year and a half into it, he had a job he hated and he brought all that stress home. And so he was always grumpy. And they would fight quite a bit. And it's not that she's innocent in this too. It's not, so this is not, this is not just on one side this of this. co-created. Right. But he would ask for a divorce and he actually has asked for it twice throughout their fights. And so then he got transferred and things got better. They started a family. Well, now, you know, fast forward to today, they've had another big blow up. He called yesterday, started yelling in the phone. I hung up, kept wandering back to the thought, what if he wants a divorce? Well, we talked last night. I told him I wondered if he wanted a divorce. He said, no, that I should put that idea out of my head. And so her question is, I've heard before that married couples should never throw or threaten the D word around unless they're serious or plan to take action because their partner will never forget that. Uh, either the one or multiple times it's been brought up and it will haunt them. So is this true? One. And then the other is how do you get past this? It's hugely traumatic to yep. have your spouse hurl that at you. It's almost like a grenade, you know, it, it's like, I'm angry. Let me hurl this at you. And I would think that the person hurling that grenade is probably experiencing a lot of anger, but more importantly, fear. I, right. I think that behind anger is really that sense of fear right. that drives irrational behavior. And I know that sometimes people say things that they don't really mean when they're really scared or really angry, but it's I, just I all would reaction. Have very reactionary yep. without even realizing how much damage you're doing. Cause you, you feel in control in that moment. And then you spin the other person totally out of control. Wait a minute. What you want a divorce? Like who's going to take the kids and how are we going to divide all this? And it just, all these questions rolling through their mind when you weren't really serious and now you've just left them shell shocked right? for lack of a better expression. So I completely agree that it should never be hurled or used as a threat or a manipulation tool or um, just as a way to vent your right. feelings. It's right. much more effective just to say, you know, I'm feeling very angry and I feel like I need some time and space. Right. Uh, can we just uh, shelve this and talk about it again tomorrow? Right. Rather that's, than that's a, like a nuclear bomb that you're using. You're, you're throwing in a sledgehammer when a fly swatter will do, you know, <laughs> 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 That it's, um, you're, you're just, I gotta write that down. That's a really good You're saying. totally, you're totally reacting to things and it's, and it is fear-based, but there's also probably reality and truth in it, but it's not in line with what the truth you really want to be living. Right. Because I think we've got to look at the complexities of who we are as people that 
you know, look at it in the sense of when I make a comment of you need to stop doing that or, or we're going to have problems or I want you to stop doing that, you know, all of that is could, could if I follow the natural progression out, well, we're going to face divorce. Right. And that's a fear we all have. And so the question of should it be used as a weapon or thrown around? Absolutely not, because it is one of those things you bring that up when that's the reality of what you as an individual are contemplating and, and heading towards. Mm-hmm. It's not a weapon to try to bring your partner back into the fold to your way of life. That's a power move that throws everything off, and it's really then off balance. It's not going to breed trust right. and intimacy and connection. So how do you handle it? Again. So to her question, that how do I handle this and get past this when it's been used as a weapon? Right. My well, can I also say first, though, Corey, that it should also never be used in jest because we as human beings yeah. know that there's always an element of truth in most every joke. Yeah. And I would think that that would create as many anxieties of, you know, is he really 100% joking or is he only 90% joking right. or 60% joking or, you know, like it would make you wonder. Right. Is that what you're thinking? Is that what you really want? Right. Well, so I'm sorry. No, no, that, that, that's the reality because that's, I think that's the foundation because what we're talking about when we get into the nitty gritty of married life and conflict like that, um, we're talking about integrity issues. And I don't think people usually think of it through that lens. This is, this is character development stuff. Yes. So if, if my integrity is, I can, I, I just want you to make me feel better. Well, that's not my integrity. That's yours. Right. So I'm off balance. And so if I'm doing this as a power play, um, teenagers do this when they play, when they play the ace cards with their spouse, with their spouse, with their parents on, I feel like I'm being too controlled. So now I'll go way off the deep end and that's, that's a legit, I'm just trying to regain power. And so mm-hmm. that being said, to answer the question of how do I get past this, I start to recognize my own power and my own integrity that a reality is my partner may want at some point in my marriage, a divorce from me. That is just the reality of life. Uh, That's the risk that you yes. take when you fall in love and get married. Well, I think of it in terms of, you know, there's no guarantee the relationship's going to happen by choice or tragedy, mm-hmm. right? So that that's just the reality. So how do I take away some of the power is if somebody's like in my case, if Pam was off balance one time and she just, you know what, I think I'm just going to, I'm getting, we're going to get a divorce. If I was in a, one of my more solid stances, which I don't know if I would react this way right off, I would hope I would come back to it and say, you know what, babe? If that's what you want, nobody's keeping you here, right? Because that, that is your call. I cannot talk you out of it. I'm not even going to try because I want you to choose this, right? not have to fee- be obligated into it by something I say or do or plead or beg to keep you to stay. And that's, this, that's, a, that's a tough, tough thing to grow into, mm-hmm. but that's our path is I recognize and I take away some of the power of it by standing on my own two feet better. Right. But I do think that sometimes people take that, they they take that stance almost too firmly as if they like the wall goes up Mm -hmm. and now it's like, okay, if I know that this is what you're thinking, I'm not going to let you get close to me again. When what that person really needs is to be grabbed by the collar and assured that, Hey, I haven't changed we're, we're still in this together. I love you. If if you're looking for affirmation, if you're throwing around the D word, because you need affirmation that I really want to be married to, let me give that to you now. 
there's nothing I want more than for this right. marriage to work. Sure. But if it can't, you're free to go. I will never hogtie you. And right. it, you know, it, I, I can't do that. You know, love means that you give each other that freedom to come and go. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I do think that there are people who have such wounding in their childhood that it creates a vacillator dynamic where they're either totally in or they're totally out. They yep. love you to death or they can't stand the side of you. And it's a really scary thing to feel their emotional pendulum swing back and forth like that. But it is their responsibility to get sad instead of mad. Maybe that instead of getting angry and throwing out the D word, you get sad and say, I hate it that I feel so disconnected from you right now, but is there anything that we can do to work on that? Because I'm feeling a little insecure. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of vulnerability. Absolutely. But, it, but that's integrity. Absolutely. To say, this is how I'm feeling. And I'm just being honest about that. You're yep. inviting, the, you're in, hopefully inspiring the person to respond with what you need instead of you know, requiring them to jump through hoops to try to prove it to you when you're making it hard on them. Right. Because play the scenario out real quick. So spouse threatens the D word. You mm-hmm. cave, crumble, accommodate, compromise, give up your soul to keep them. What kind of marriage mm-hmm. is that? Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, no for, one would want that dynamic. Either Nobody one of wants you. to be a groveling. Right. For either one yeah. of you. And so mm-hmm. it's being able to live the life that says, you know what? I don't want this. I don't want that decision. I don't want the divorce. I, don't, I want the relationship. I want what we have. I want, you know, and I'm living that, but I'm also living it to the to the conclusion of, I am controlling what I can control, though. So if you want to take the make that call, you got to make that call. I'm not going to right. make it easy on you to make that right. call because that's what a lot of times, when one person wants out, what I see in my office a lot of times when I get couples coming in doing divorce counseling, is the one that wants out wants the other person to agree because it just makes it easier. <laughs> you know, it's just sad. It is, but it's that idea of I, I don't want to be the bad guy here. Right. So agree with me. So I feel less of the bad guy. Mm -hmm. It's painful to feel like the bad guy. Mm -hmm. So reality is, hey, that's just what's going to happen. So how do I see this through a different lens? Anything else we need to do on this topic with the D word? Well, I I do want to say that I have seen a lot of couples in the past decade that they were so refused to even mention the actual word D-I-V-O-R-C-E that they let problems fester and fester and fester to the point that it was a self-fulfilling prophecy that because they couldn't talk about a healthy separation that could have potentially led to divorce, but hopefully didn't because they gave themselves time and space to really think about it and, and heal and reconnect because they refused to even consider that as an option. It became a requirement almost. Right. That uh, I really like Leslie Vernick's expression that she uses often. She says, you have to decide if you can stay well. And if you can't stay well, you do have to talk about what it's going to look like to leave well. Yep. That, that that is a healthy pattern to be adult. And like you said, to be integrous about it, to be on, but to be honest about your feelings. And in reality, there are seasons where somebody is seriously considering mm-hmm. divorce. It's mm-hmm. not that they're lobbing it as a weapon. They are seriously considering it. And you owe that to your spouse to sit them down and say, these are the thoughts that I'm having. Right. But we need to dialogue about this and and go through a trial separation. I would recommend an in-house separation first before anybody starts packing any bags. If the in-house separation is still creating too much tension and anxiety, then uh, you know, a separation as far as two different dwellings go, but take plenty of time. Take right. months. 
years if needed, uh, before you decide that we're just going to go straight for divorce. And be with a therapist along the way. Don't do that solo. Have somebody walking along with you because I, I love that idea if that's where it's heading because it puts stuff more in the open because most of the time, you know, a divorce happens or separation happens and nobody had any clue because everybody's perception of other people is they don't struggle because I don't see it. Well, yes, we do. So I've I've got this going on now with two couples that I'm working working alongside with that they are doing in-house separations. And they're like, but what about the kids? I'm like, what about them? They got to know what's going on. They sense it anyway. Right. So why not? Let's open up a new level of honesty. And let them see it healthy. And start dealing with this Mommy and daddy are sleeping in different bedrooms for a little while until things get better. Yep. But you can rest assured that we're both here, still here for you. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Pivot. All right. So the next one. Yeah. We're, we're pivoting. You, you got this or do I got this? <laughs> uh, well, I, I I can only paraphrase. I don't have the exact same email pulled up. If you have it pulled no, up, go. go for it. Par- okay. Paraphrase away. Uh, okay. So in response to the show that we did about um, your spouse not being your everything. Uh-huh. And we had great conversation about that on the Sexy Marriage Radio Academy Q&A call some really great responses from the couples, both pro and con in support of this uh, whole notion. But one woman emailed us and I could, I could read through the snarkiness that she's angry and she's hurt and mm-hmm. she is disappointed. So I don't mean to make light of this, but the way that she worded it, I thought, I bet there's a lot of spouses, not just women, but men too sometimes that would say the same thing. She says, okay, I, I give you that, that my spouse can't be my everything. But can he be my anything? Can he pursue me sexually? Can he help me in the house? Can he make me feel like he wants a friendship with me? Can he invite me out to dinner? Can he make me feel like I am loved and pursued? Because she was feeling very unloved and unpursued at the time. So going to the opposite end of that spectrum, Corey, what is your advice to people who feel as if not only do I not feel like I'm best friends or connected at the hip or Siamese twins with my spouse, I feel like it's the opposite end of the spectrum of why are we even married? Why do we even right. live together? Why Why are we pretending that this right. is something when it's so unfulfilling and leaves leaves them feeling so dry and disconnected? Well, okay, so a lot of this to me comes down to the whole concept of a relationship. The, the people, well, S, what is it? Virginia Satir's idea of relationships are people growing machines is, yes. is one of the things she says. Families are people growing machines. Um but the idea that a good relationship takes me places I cannot go myself. That's why I have a marriage. Mm-hmm. Because I get to experience things I can't on my own. Right. And that's good and bad. But that's the idea of, it, it, think of the most uh, exciting experiences you've had in your life to date. If you had those solo, that would be mm-hmm. certain a certain level of enjoyment. But when I have a relationship alongside that, whether it's through friendships or marriage, it it increases it. Yes. It's it's exponential on the amount of enjoyment because I get to share it with somebody else. And then we get to talk about it and share the, the memories of it and mm-hmm. relive the things. And I think of the difference between riding a roller coaster by yourself or with someone where you're laughing your butt off yeah. at how they're screaming and yep. how they're white knuckling the rail. And, it, it, and then you talk about it and you laugh about it. And so much of the experience is the building up of the anticipation together. Right. And like you said, the walking away with the memories right. of, 
of what you experience together. It's same thing with travel. So yeah, same thing with marriage. This, there needs to be uh, an element of togetherness. Of mm-hmm. there's something that bonds us and makes us feel like an exclusive couple that has something going back and forth between the two of you that you don't have with anybody else on the right. planet. That, a, it, that it needs to feel like a special relationship. Right. So to me, it comes down to I'm working on self-soothing and self-validation so that I can share more of me with the people I do life with. And that's the point of marriage then. I'm not looking right. to them to complete some shortcoming in me. I'm sharing the all of me with people I do life with. And that's one of my professors put it this way in, in grad school. He said he imagines everybody walks around the, on the planet and we all have these 55-gallon drums strapped to our chest, you know, the hanging, hanging from our shoulders in front of us. Uh-huh. And it, every day what we're trying to do is get stuff filled into our, our drum, right? And so you got one person, point, you know, person A, they start their day every day with it's 25% full. And that's just based on their outlook, their validations of themselves, their, their upbringing, their biology, all of that. They just kind of, they already are starting that. Then you got person B, who they start every day at 75% full. And so they go the rest of the day trying to fill their buckets or fill their drums. Who do you want to be in relationships with? A or B? Mm. <laughs> right? So B, right. because... A needs too much from me. So they suck me dry on things. They're the clingy, needy, help me, validate me. Right. And so there's times where absolutely I can give to that because I'm in a good moment. And maybe they're in a tragedy or a hurricane or something like that where, okay, their buckets are really, really low because they've lost a lot. And so the people that are coming in as first responders and volunteers, they're already geared towards, I'm willing to give more of me. That's the best in us in in human capabilities. But it's also, if I extrapolate that out into the way I do life, though, I got to figure out how do I fill up my bucket some naturally within me so that way what I get from my relationships overflows me more. Yes. And that's the difference because, I mean, Schnarch says it this way, that giving up myself for the sake of a relationship is just as destructive as giving up my relationship for the sake of myself. Say that again. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's just the idea of if I give up on myself for the sake of the relationship, mm-hmm. that's just as destructive as a giving up on the relationship for the sake of myself. Mm. And it's, so that's where it's, there's two fundamental life forces that are going on of separateness and togetherness. And I have to live within those always when I do life on life terms. Right. So going back to the woman who feels as if, can he be my anything? Mm-hmm. What is your advice for a woman who feels as if he just doesn't seem to be willing to connect on almost any level? Well, okay. So I, I read that a little different. I, I read the email just a little bit different because she's, I, I read her as asking uh, if, if, our, if our counsel is we're supposed to be so separate and standing on our own two feet, what do I even need a relationship for? And to me... The answer to that is what I need my relationship for is it will help me go places I can't go on my own. And so that how do I bring my spirit and my energy and my joy and my longings and dreams and fears to it, that it's not based on I need you to succumb to them and accommodate to them. It's just I want to share my life with you. So you're saying, look at the bigger picture right. of, of what that cultivates in your life and in your family dynamic right. for the two of you to be together. Right. Because I see that as 
um, can my spouse be my anything? Absolutely, they are. They are something in my marriage. They're my spouse, and so they're the person I live life with, have sex with, raise a family with, run a house with, have a budget yep. with. <laughs> you know, it's so. interesting the the differences between how you read that email mm-hmm. and how I read that email. You know, it's it's interesting how it can be interpreted two completely different yep. ways. Um, so yeah. But what advice do you have for the individual who's up? But, but answer Shannon's question. What if, what if there is a spouse who feels as if th- they're not giving me much of anything, that, that there's, there's not a lot of sexual connection, there's not a lot of emotional connection, there's not a lot of spiritual connection, camaraderie, okay. whatever. So then it, to me, it comes down to how are you trying to seek that first? Is that coming out of fullness or emptiness? Because mm-hmm. if it's coming out of I'm 25% full with my barrel and I need more from you, Human nature and tendency is I will push that away. Right. I will, I will teach you how to fill your own I barrel. I will buffer myself because I don't want to give that much. It's, it, right. it, it, it wears me out. Um, okay. So, so what if her barrel is 75% full, but she's saying, I thought marriage was going to be something different than this. That then that's it's basically just like having a roommate. Then that's probably some honest conversations over coffee. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's, I completely that's just, agree. I got to, I got to tell you where I am. I got to tell you where I am and I'm not doing this to elicit some sort of change dramatically on your part. I'm just telling you where I am. Do with that information what yep. you would like to do. I hope that it will inspire you though, that I want us to be more connected. I want us to yep. work on making the relationship better. Yep. Yeah, that's good. Okay, yeah. so and I think that every couple has to have those con- those kind of conversations at some point, if not at multiple points. I, I can't fathom that, and it's probably just the busyness of life that some people just get so immersed in survival and their job and the raising kids yeah. and all the other things that you know, church and all the responsibilities that sometimes we lose we lose sight of how important our spouse actually is, and sometimes we just need that reminder and that invitation to just let ourselves be reeled back in and reconnect with the relationship that is. Most most important to yep. us. So next question, that next email, this, and this is kind yeah. of coming at the same concept slightly. I, I love mm-hmm. how this just kind of worked out that way, but it's a different topic. And so this email talked about, um, she recently had a heart to heart with her husband over what she wanted in, se- in their sex life. He was wanting her to be more open and verbal about what I wanted. Well, I expressed how I enjoyed giving him oral sex, but notice he never reciprocated. Of course, the story I made up in my head was that I'm dirty or it's not good for him. So he said he just never thought it sounded appealing, but he would if I wanted him to. So he was very kind about the whole conversation. Well, fast forward a couple of weeks. He's offered a few times to give me oral sex, but I've said no. I'm super self-conscious now and not really knowing how to get over this. I just can't get over how he didn't desire oral sex. So how do I continue to work through this? Yeah. That feeling of rejection, even though he didn't intend it to be rejection, there's there's something deeply psychological about that. And it's not just for women. It's also for men. Anybody who feels as if my genitals aren't pleasing enough for my partner or aren't palatable for my partner or is or disgusting to my partner taken to the extreme that is very psychologically damaging. Mm-hmm. It is hard to get over that wall of, well, he's only doing it for me. Kind of like mercy oral sex, you know, Oh, well don't let me put you out or anything, pal. So I mean, my heart goes out to her, but Corey, how does one get over that and understand that they don't have to take it personally? I mean, taking it personally is a choice, right? Somewhat uh, to me, this is where I've got to move out of 
the realm of thoughts and feelings and be focusing more on decisions and actions. Because what, what causes us the most havoc in married life is when I get so caught up and bogged down on my spouse's thoughts and feelings associated to some action rather than the action. Because how many times in my life and in your life, Shannon, do you do something with the thought and feeling is not, oh, I cannot wait to do this. This is so fantastic. I'm loving every moment of this, but I still do it. Right? Because it's important. Right. Because it's necessary. There's a higher good. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. don't, I don't ever go bounding around with all kinds of enthusiasm unloading the dishwasher. <laughs> I just never do. But it does speak volumes to Pam that she has an empty dishwasher. Uh, hopefully, yes. But it's, it's seeing it as, okay, I'm getting caught up in he doesn't even desire this rather than he's willing to try this. So what if exactly. I see it as... I also interpret this, and I'm going with her, as I'm dirty or he doesn't want me. So now this is a chance for me, while he's confronting, do I even enjoy this or not? I get the chance to confront, do I even enjoy this or not? Am I even worthy of this or not? Is this something appealing and inviting and enjoyable for me? So we've both got the same thing going on, but you're spending so much time reading your partner, you're not reading yourself. Right, right. Because a woman has to be very comfortable receiving oral sex. It's Mm -hmm. not just about her husband being comfortable offering oral sex. But my suspicion, based on how she worded the email, is that he probably hasn't given this much thought because it's not that familiar to him. Could because be. I think I think that men who get over their initial, oh, I don't know about that. Because women have that too. I mean, when we're teenagers <laughs> and the idea of putting a penis in your mouth is like, what? <laughs> I know I'm sure that everybody remembers the first time they heard about the concept of oral sex and yep. thought, no, my parents don't do that. And I'll never do that. But I think that the more it becomes familiar, right. the more you kind of, pardon the pun, but you develop a taste for that. Right. It, it, it's something that when you see how pleasurable it is for your partner and right. how intimate, because there is nothing more intimate than oral sex. It's the best um, way to have pheromones go back and forth to you because we pick them up most from our nose. Exactly. And so I would suggest that she put her anxieties aside long enough to let it become familiar for him that if he's offering, say yes. Lean into it and okay. just get over that awkwardness and relax into it and let it become so familiar that now he loves doing it because he loves what he sees it doing to you and for you. Or that's the payoff. Sure. When men but, when men feel like I know how to make my wife yep. go crazy, they want to keep making her go crazy that way. But isn't it possible though he could never develop a taste for it and enjoy it? And so then you're faced with, okay, how do we navigate that in the sense that, okay, so maybe that doesn't happen, but there's other better ways we could still share and experience this. Because it's not a script of just because I want it, you better well do it. It's a script right. of how do I lean into these to both grow and realize maybe there's some stuff that hasn't even been born in me yet that right. I am capable of it. Or it could just be, you know what? No, I'm not. I, I cannot get there, but let's do this. Let's do that. And so you change the meanings associated with other things. And that's not a way to make it off easy for people, but it's just the reality of there's not, in my mind, a... Well, because she enjoys it, you better figure out how to do it edict. It's, well, you need at least 
try it and and figure that out. But it could be does it doesn't do it for me. Well, I wouldn't say that it's an edict either, but I have to admit, Corey, that there's just a little bit of anxiety rolling around in me. Women have a right to be pleasured in their marriage relationship as much as a man. And so oftentimes if these roles were reversed, people would be thinking, oh, lady, get over it. Just go down on him. Don't you know how much it means to him? Don't you know how good that feels? Then get over whatever it is that you're wrestling with and give him what he wants. I would say the same message to men. Whatever this is that you've associated as being negative mm-hmm. with oral sex on her, you need to you need to confront that and overcome that because it is an incredibly powerful experience for a woman to have an orgasm in her partner's mouth. Agreed. That that is like probably the most bonding experience for a woman. Okay. Agreed. I, I, I mean, I don't I, I don't know that that's across the board, but I think a lot of women would tell you that. So I just think that men should be willing to step up to the plate and confront their own discomfort and anxieties to the same extent that they would have expected women to. And and especially if he's expecting her to perform oral sex, then he needs to be willing to reciprocate. And now this is something that oral sex is discussing to him all the way around and he doesn't want to give it or receive it. I guess that's a conversation that she, that the two of them can have and she can decide, is that something that she's, you know, that she can live with? And we got to go to the email though, because she says she enjoys it. It doesn't talk about, does he? So we don't know that it could just be, you know what? I'm not comfortable with mouths being anywhere near genitalia for either one of us, but right. I I do know that there are people mm -hmm. like that on the planet, that that's what they would say. I would still give the counsel the same to the men though, of, you know, that, or to the women in the sense of if that's something she can't grow to develop in, then why keep doing it? You know, because it's still the idea of, We've got sex is a language. And so just because I want some sort of act done because it means something, I have to also acknowledge the meaning associated with my partner. And what is that saying? Because that's the that's the language of married life, that neither one of us are rulers in our marriage in that regard. I just get to push it in the sense of this is something I'd be interested in, but okay, maybe we need to adjust to something different and then maybe it comes back around later as life goes was, and that's what i was gonna say is just because yeah. it's it's distasteful in one season doesn't mean that it Agreed. needs to remain off the table for a lifetime because what's appealing to you when you're 60 or 70 or 80 may be very different than when you were 25 or yep. 35 or 45. absolutely and so it's just to me it's the willingness to see it as how do i confront my my anxieties better and I not take my cue from my partners as much. And I, st- and I try to shift it to where I'm focusing on their behaviors and their actions, not their thoughts and feelings associated with it. Right. And, and how can I be my best grown-up self and offer my partner what would mean the most to them? Even if it represents something different to you, mm-hmm. are you willing to serve your partner in the way that would mean the most to them? Yeah. No, There's the challenging question. That's the pressures of married life. That's the pressures of showing love that we can't avoid that kind of stuff. That's what we talked about last last week. So it's just seeing yeah. it as how do I look at the playing field of life on life terms and marriage on marriage terms and be the best player of my role in it. And if I'm if I will confront those things, typically then everybody benefits and wins. Yep. Because I'm expanding and growing. So, well, we hope that you keep expanding and growing. And mm-hmm. we thank you for taking some time out to to do it with us so we'll see you next time send us something for our next potpourri show we love you for listening